You were listening to episode 154 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Brian. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we get a higher education in decapitation in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Trying to remember where the education part came through. Zombie uh, you. I, no, no. Oh, I see. I see. The alma mater. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I liked your uh, analogy of Monsters, Inc. Uh, with Zombie you. Co-eds are dying to get in here. Uh, that was a good one. So yeah, Zombie you on the Wii U this week uh, to continue Spooky Month. Spooky Month. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it deeper, obviously, in our Inflation Deflation segment, but I thought it was actually pretty good. It wasn't bad. I concur. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we get started, of course, you can find us on this podcast application you're listening to us right now on. I mean, you already found us. Yeah, you already so found give us. Give yourself a standing ovation first and then do the rest of this other stuff. Yeah. And Don't then, of course, five-star review. That comes first. Uh, so if you haven't left a review, go ahead and leave a review. Uh, of course, you can find us on social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, you can find us on thegamedeflators.com. And yeah, that's about it. That's where people can find us, Ryan. And uh, of course, if you don't like listening to a podcast app, we do have a YouTube channel that we're uploading episodes to. Uh, people by like the, time. the YouTube. Yeah, they do like the YouTube. So there's a thumbs up, smash that subscribe button, yes. hit the little bell icon if you want to hear every episode of the Game Deflators podcast. Yeah, us and our like 25 YouTube subscribers. <laughs> yeah, we we never really did the YouTube too much. Uh, we had some subscribers for a while, and then. I'll obviously got deleted a long time people, ago and have to redo just it. Dying to see you post more Ghost of Tsushima thirty second video clips. <laughs> Dude, there were a few five minute video clips on there. They were good stuff. Actually, some of those videos have quite a few views compared to our other stuff. So, especially my what is it like five thousand soul points or whatever in the span of like a minute. Dude, that was the best like cheese ever in that game. Uh, okay, so uh, to get started this week, I have my recent pickup of Terra Enigma. I picked up a repro cart through Etsy on that because it was like 22 bucks or something like that. And I've wanted to play Terra Enigma for a long time. I don't want to have to buy, I guess it's a Japanese copy technically. I don't want to have to buy like a, you know, a different copy and then have to purchase, or not purchase, but find a translation patch and then do all, I just didn't want to mess with that. So I was like, let me get a nice little North America looking, you know, repro cart of Terra Enigma and see how that plays out. And, you know, supports a small seller on Etsy at the same time. So, that's what I picked up. Do you I did, have many repro cards? Uh, how many do I have? I've got, like, two repro so cards. So, just a couple. Yeah, not many. Like, I, I want to do Just for, for stuff that's outrageous? Yeah, like, I, I kind of want to get one for, like, Hagane as well. Because uh, that's a game I've always wanted to play, but I'm not willing to shell out that much money uh, for that game. I guess I could do the same thing with, like, uh, Little Samson and whatnot if I really wanted just to emulate them yeah exactly like, like you I, don't really need a, a fake cart for little samson yeah no you really don't uh but terranig was one of those that i would like to have the batter the save battery which is there is a save battery in this one that the guy installed so having the save battery on that game is gonna be nice and be able to kind of sit back and play in that classic style um is gonna be better in my opinion than having to sit in front of my uh computer mm-hmm. and emulate so yeah uh, as far as my currently playing this week, though, I continue God of War. And, dude, I am loving it. How far are you? So, how far did I get? We passed... I just passed... And spoiler alerts, I guess, if you haven't played it yet. 
we got to where it turns out that Freya is the witch. Mm. So they end up finding Freya or talking to Freya. And uh, Atreus is actually, so here's where it is. I beat the two sons of Hercules, or not Hercules, let's say Hercules, this is another whole different mythology. Uh, I beat the uh, the two sons of Thor, uh, got them knocked out. One that was of them a tough was, fight, I it, remember. It wasn't too bad. I mean, I, I killed the one, and then the other one ran off, and then Atreus starts raging with his Spartan, mm-hmm. you know, bloodline. And uh, then that son of Thor leaves, and um, we end up going back to see the witch. And now I'm on the part where he's kind of going off on his own without Atreus. Um, so I just got the chains, actually. Oh. Yeah, I just got the chains. Were you expecting that? I actually wasn't. Like I, it was I, such a cool moment. Yeah. So I, I'm like, guessing I haven't. Oh. I'm guessing I haven't passed where you stopped yet. So no, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You're uh, gonna so, be shocked where you find out where I stopped. Oh really? Oh, dude, it's always like that with me. I always love like, well, I guess there's like five more things to do. I don't know how much more I had of that game, but I mean, and it was kind of at like a pivotalish spot. I remember like tensions were rising, and you stopped. Oh yeah. Oh dude, kill me. Red Dead came out, I think, or something. Hmm. Uh well yeah, so I just got the chains and I guess it's is it Athena that he sees? I think that's who it is. Yeah, so I I was shocked. Like I didn't expect the chains to come. Well, I did when it's like I have to go dig up my past mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, he's digging up his past. That means I'm probably gonna be going back to, you know, somewhere else, like some other realm. Or really, I guess going back to Greece is what I figured was going to happen. And then it didn't. He just kind of went back to the house. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Killed all those enemies and brought out the chains. I'm like, this feels much better. Like, so, so much has better. it changed your, your play? Like, how were you playing? Like, I remember when I was playing, I was like gearing myself mostly towards using like spells and abilities and then like trying to do some fancy axe stuff a little bit. But I wasn't doing like just like stacking strength and stuff i was trying to get like cooldowns and yeah so my i'm very much uh built on strength and defense Mm -hmm. and then i guess runes as well so like the top three is what my my big build is on some vitality but not too much i'm still very much a low level so uh or elite in general like i think it's only level four technically as a character right now or kratos and so i ended up finding that dragon i forget what his name is, but I was exploring a little bit of a world when I got the boat and things started to unlock. So I came across um, the dragon and uh, where you have to free him and you have to defeat a couple enemies to free him. But uh, I couldn't beat that one enemy because I was still too low of a level. And then I found at random my first Valkyrie. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, Gunir is the, uh, the first Valkyrie that I found. And I was getting her to about three-fourths of the way down, like knocking off quite a bit. Um, but it just got to a point where I was like, this isn't even like Dark Souls hard in a sense because like Dark Souls hard, you can. I guess it's a little worse, right? Like Danny beat all the Valkyries. I'll yeah. Say that. <laughs> well, I can I can beat the Valkyries for sure. It's just I'm still too low of a level to get to that point. I mean, I came across this Valkyrie and knocked off quite a bit of health uh, from the get-go, and it's just like my defense is just a little too low right now to be able to deal with that, and the strength mm-hmm. just isn't there. So I'm taking off quite a bit of damage. But every, I get hit like three times and he's down. Yeah. Like that's it. Well, you said you hadn't put much into vitality. No, not much at all. And then the defense is still kind of low. And, you know, and every time I face that Valkyrie, though, I did not have the uh, resurrection stone. 
or superior stone, whatever they call it. And I did not have my rage meter. So I'm sure if I would have actually had those on hand, I probably could have beat that Valkyrie mm-hmm. right off the bat. But I didn't have it on me and I was like, eh, screw it. I'll continue out the story, level up a bit. I know where it's at. I'll come back. Um, a question for you though. You know how you have all the portals that you open up? You know, and it most of them say like you cannot travel here at this time. Does that I'm guessing that opens up as the story progresses, like I could start traveling to any portal I've seen? Yeah, I think so. I mean there I think there's definitely a point where it opens up like that where you can like free go. Okay. But like I don't really remember there being a whole lot of need to. Like there's definitely some places you revisit. Well, like, if I want to go back to that Valkyrie, for example... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to have to, like... To there. Okay, yeah, because I don't want to have to, like, you know... No. Go in the boat and travel all the way and then go through certain... Like, it's a pain in the ass, so... Uh, and I also got, I guess, a chisel as well, so I can start breaking into some of those um, Odin's mirrors or whatever they are, mm-hmm. Odin portals. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep playing it. Uh, I was hooked yesterday. I think I played, like, three or four hours yesterday. Cool. Uh, which kind of shows you how much I did not play since I started playing that game, but I'm, I'm starting to get there. I think I'm hooked. So we'll see. But that was it for me. How about yourself? Uh, so no pickups this week. I've been doing a little bit of window shopping online. We were talking uh, the other day about the secret layer drops that are mm-hmm. coming out. And there's just some really cool looking stuff in there. Like uh, if you guys haven't seen it, they have these, uh, it's like Monster Madness or something, or I, I I don't think it's, I think Monster Madness is like a different one, because this isn't all monsters, this has like some spells and stuff too, but like, it's a four pack, and they look like old movie monster posters, and they're totally not what you expect a magic card to look like at all, and I just, I really want to get them. There's a couple others I was looking at, too. I've been listening to these guys. Uh, Jake and Joel are magic. Shout out to them. They're super awesome. Um, and just kind of learning how they're like approaching like the value and stuff and saying that, for the most part, these things seem like they usually appreciate in value. Also, you get like a secret card, too. Like You get the ones they're showing, and then you get like another thing, and usually it's like a stained glass uh, planeswalker which can have like a value, like some of them are really expensive and some of them aren't. I guess that's just like all cards. But um, I really just, I would like to try at least one of the secret layers just to see if I like it and then I can always do it, you know, again more later. Um, How much are they? They're like 30 bucks for non-foil and 40 bucks for foil. So well, I mean, 40 bucks is worth it if it's foil. I mean, it just depends. Like if you're... Uh, if you're buying it and then you decide you want to sell like two of them, at least the people who are buying secondhand have the opportunity to get them cheaper later on down the road after they stop printing them. Gotcha. I think that's probably like, cause like for the most part, like they'll come with like one of, or some of them have like one of each color of a thing. So it's like if you just don't play blue, you sell like all your blue cards or something, you know. Who does not play blue? I don't very much. I'd like to. We were talking about this. I know. I know. Dude, blue is where it's at, man. Blue, black uh, is the way to play. And then I've been playing Metroid Dread still. Haven't beaten it. Did hook it up to my little portable monitor I got last year and have been playing with like my pro controller and I never play that way. So it's been nice kind of 
going back and seeing some things and like playing it different. So I've got that set up. I'm definitely going to take advantage of using that more often because I've just always used my Switch in handheld. And with all this OLED nonsense, and we'll talk about some of that later, you know, it's cool to feel like I'm getting new use out of something old again. So um, as far as window shopping is concerned, you know, I'm still looking at some magic stuff too. So I still have to get the uh, Innistrad set. Uh, so that's in on my radar the uh, new one drops on like the 19th i know <laughs> so i'll be getting this one and the new one drops uh i also have aether vials that i'm looking at for my goblin deck so i really want to get those locked in because that's really like for tribal stuff that's like key like you have to have those so i want to get those and of course the commander decks from 2019 so i've noticed dude commander decks for whatever dude they just skyrocket in value over time depending on the decks you're looking at so the 2018 set for commander decks they're like 150 bucks a piece for those decks oh yeah dude like if you go into like the game store you can see them like up on the shelf like the old ones and some of them are like 250 or dude, something crazy. 2017 is like 800 or 400 for some of them crazy yeah it's insane so i'm definitely Buy like cards don't open the box well, Make I mean, money. it's not even so much opening the box. It's just the cards in there. So I was, I found on MTG Goldfish, I was looking at the 2019 sets, and it says that in that set there are 63 cards that have been going up in price, and about four of it have been decreasing in price. And if you look at the Aquaria set, which is the other one I was looking at, the 2020, uh, that one in particular says that of all of those cards, uh, there are approximately like 43 that are going down in value and there's only like 20 something that are going up in value so i think 2019 is where it's at and definitely where i need to go with that particular like you know with that purchase mm -hmm. so i think i can pick it up for like a hundred dollars and some shipping like 15 bucks shipping okay yeah so i think it's route i'm gonna go with that one uh but dude i'm stoked like there's a once i get those commander sets like i'm not gonna be buying commander for a while because i'll have six total commander decks that's a lot of cards. That's a lot of, you know, commander Plus decks. all the stuff you already have. Yeah, exactly. And I have been selling some of that stuff, which is which is good. That I've been selling some of the older stuff I got. Shipped out probably 12 cards this week. So that's good. Out of, you know, the 20-something thousand that i got to get rid of. So I'm hoping that I can beat Metroid this week. And that will put me right in line to start, well, not start, but finish Mario next month. Yeah, you definitely got to finish Mario. And then we have our, really our next uh, New Games Resolution will be coming up here pretty soon. And I, I can't remember what I said I was going to play. I don't think I locked it in yet what I wanted to play. No, I know. And I, I was kind of joking last night. I, I wasn't really thinking about that game. Which one? The When I said Hokage. Oh, Hokage Shadow King? Yeah. Man, I don't know, man. That sounds like one I should play. You know what I really should do? It, it's on my mind still. I need to beat Dark Cloud 2. Oh. That's a big RPG. That is a pretty good RPG. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking RPG for this year because I did Shenmue. Or actually, I did what did I do last year? Yeah, I did Shenmue. I did Conquers this year. And in the year prior, I did Sukaden 2. So it's been, a, it's been a bit since I played an RPG for my new game's resolution. I had an idea to just try to see how many Doom games I could play through. <laughs> how many Doom games you could like beat throughout the year? Yeah. That'd be a pretty interesting challenge. Because, like, I've never really played... I tried a little bit of Doom, the 2016 one. At least enough to, like, download it on Game Pass and play it for, like, 20 minutes. Or maybe I got through, like, the first level or something. Yeah. 
Uh, but it just I wasn't like really grabbed because I was playing so much other stuff. Man, I haven't played my my Xbox in a minute. Oh really? Yeah. There's some cool stuff that just came out recently. I just haven't had time. And well, I've been giving whatever time I do have to Metroid. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with me. Like, I haven't been playing much God of War because all my time has been consumed with uh, watching Handmaid's Tale, Mm -hmm. which is so good. Uh, So once that's done, I'm sure I'll find another show to binge watch, but uh, definitely going to be continuing God of War. And, you know, uh, God, I kind of want to have a game that I just beat, like, between November and December. Like, it's got to be something short. So maybe... That's why I'm doing Mario. Yeah, maybe... Well, Mario is kind of long. I don't uh, think so. I guess it depends on what I'm you're trying to do. I'm not going to complete it. Yeah, I'm just going to run around, true. see all the worlds, do Mario. So, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm <laughs> just not, like, that into, like, having to do all of the game thing. Like, I'm just so much more comfortable with experiencing games and getting what I get out of it. Like, I always had... I played for so long, like, you know, um, League and Halo 3 and Battlefield and you know cod 4 and like i spent so long playing games that you just play forever and then at one point i was like you know i really need i think it was after i beat earthbound for the first time because i had tried to play earthbound a few times so once i finally beat that i was like you know i should just try to finish games that like you can get to the end point yeah. Instead of spending all my time playing these games that you just can never, you don't really ever get anything more out of it than the next match can provide. Yeah, I so, can see that. I mean, obviously that didn't work out because now I'm just kind of like, I don't know, man. I'll give it like a, <laughs> I just play it a little bit. I, I'm i wondering if it's the podcast. What? Just because uh, you have to? Well, we just kind of like play things like a little bit and I'm conditioned to like enjoy my games the way I enjoy, like, YouTube videos. I guess. I mean, I, I don't see it that way. Like, I've got my, you know you know how I play. I've got my set game that I play with my wife. I've got my game that I play by myself. And then she has her games that she plays. And so, you know, it's just more so. Play your little games. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was actually talking with um, uh, Barry of Premium Games yesterday, uh, just chatting with him about, like, Biomutant. Because we had chatted with him, oh, yeah, what, yeah, several yeah. months ago. And Biomutant was not a good game, but I was not going to quit on playing that game. There are some games I've put down, and it's not honestly because like I want to quit it and not play it. It's because I forgot to continue them. So like South Park is one of those. Yeah, I never did beat South Park, and it's not because like you know I found something else. I don't well, want to. You know, I don't want to talk about South Park right now. I'm still mad at them. For what? They put out two hour long specials over the course of the last like year and a half. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they haven't done much. They made a documentary called Seven Days to Air where they were like, hey, this is how we make every episode. We literally don't have anything, and then we put it all together in a week. You can't make a documentary like that and tell everybody you've been doing it that way for like 20 years and then just be like, I don't know, man, we'll give you a special, and then we're going to not do anything. I get South Park every year for my birthday. It always comes out on like the 23rd or the 25th, like right before my birthday. The two years in a row. <laughs> You're on the shit list, Matt Stone to Trey Parker. Oh, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Unless Dude, you I- come out with like, if you guys drop like a new movie and a game trailer, like all at the same time, I'll forgive you. But like, come on. Actually, they're probably long overdue for a South Park movie. Uh, well, they just signed like a big deal, I think, where they're going to do like, 
I think like two movies and like a handful of specials and like a couple more seasons or something nuts. I don't know, man. They bought Casa Bonita or something too. Huh. Well, we'll see. I uh, said I didn't want to talk about them. Yeah. Now, now you talked about it. Yeah, we'll watch some South Park whenever it whenever it happens. You know, three years from now, it's kind of like uh, if you think about it, it's kind of like a GTA and how we're stuck on five. And we haven't gotten to a six. That's kind of how South Park is. I was thinking about the uh, Chinatown Wars episode. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, well, uh, of course, the horrible segue into GTA 6 fans are starting to lose hope following today's news, uh, which is really last week's news, I guess, or earlier last week's news. Um, we're also going to have uh, an article here on Epic Games that we're going to talk about and some of the uproar staff are having over some days off. And then, as Ryan mentioned earlier, we're going to get into some Switch OLED uh, model rates on the scratching or scratch resistance. And, of course, we'll have our inflation deflation. But first thing here is uh, Tyler Fisher of Comic Book. And, dude, I... Um, I don't know what to say on this. Like, I'm not a huge fan of GTA to begin with. And I had expressed to you, like, when we first heard these rumors, they were redoing, um, was it three Vice City and San Andreas? I yep. think is the three that they were doing. And so we had talked about, like, well, what if they just did a full-blown remake of, like, one and two? Like, mm-hmm. upped it and everything, and then, like, had you, when you're not in the vehicle, like, like a new game, basically. Like, almost a new game. And they ended up going this route. And so I know some friends of mine that are actually excited for this uh, because they, they want to play it in you know the next-gen graphics in a sense or uh, that remastered look. And honestly, it does look pretty good for remastering. It does. I was actually just listening to Spawnwave talk about this this morning. And the biggest thing that I'm questioning about it is just like, that's three games. And they couldn't even release um, L.A. Noir all on one you had to download like half the game or something and like there's tons of games that you go you go and you buy the box and the box is digital only like on the box and it just comes with a code inside or something stupid wasn't la nor a ps3 title though yeah so i mean this might be a little different these are ps2 titles yeah but any three of them yeah i mean and they're the biggest of ps Two titles, too, probably. Yeah, but I mean, if you consider that they were on DVD, essentially, mm-hmm. and then Blu-ray, just like how much could fit on a Blu-ray in comparison to... Well, wasn't L.A. To... Uh, Noir also on PS3? You mean PS2? Oh, PS... Okay, that's the difference. Yeah, okay, PS2 yeah. to PS3. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, anyways, so he was bringing this up, too, but like, it's gonna suck, kind of, if it's just like GTA Three on there, and then you've got to download the other two, and then also you can't buy them individually. You well, can only get the bundle, and then they're splitting them out so that Game Pass is getting, I think Game Pass is getting three, and then now PS Now is getting Liberty City. You mean Vice City? Vice City. And then who's going to San Andreas? Is it? Those are the only two streaming services. So I mean, I was going to say like maybe Nintendo is getting it exclusively or something like. Well, they don't have like a thing like that. Yeah, though. I know. Well, I mean, they do technically, but it's for old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Send it to Stadia. <laughs> well, I guess the the big question a lot of people have, and they're starting to lose hope, is like GTA Six is something that's been on people's minds for a very long time. And the fact that they've, they've got enough 
studios. I know. There's I like know. four rock star branches now, aren't there? I don't know how many branches there are, but what I do know is people are still scared that this isn't going to happen anytime soon. So it's not. It, no, it definitely is not going to happen anytime soon. Like I would be shocked if. I mean, maybe this is. You know, I'll take back to shocked. Maybe this is kind of a lead up into some sort of announcement at the Super Bowl. GTA 6 commercial at the Super Bowl. Do you realize how insane that would be? I I mean, you know, it honestly, that might be the smartest dumb thing you've ever said. It might be, dude. Like, you get people hyped right now. All the classics, the trilogy. And it wouldn't be out of place because, like, the thing is, GTA 5 is the most sold game ever made. It's the most selling piece of media a human team has ever constructed. Yeah. And just imagine a GTA 6 Super Bowl announcement. Yeah, like, how I mean, insane would that be? It wouldn't be out of place. It would not be out of place. And this right here is hyping people up. Yeah, they're upset. GTA 6 has been announced. There's been no sort of news on it. In they can't ever. release GTA 6 until 100 million people have PS5s. You know, that's also kind of a good point. Like you so want to release that. So they can uh, sell 100 million units on day one. Well, you kind of want to. <laughs> that's their plan. I can see where they would want to wait to see what the install base is going to look like. But even so, like a commercial in the Super Bowl era, right? Or in the Super Bowl. And then with a release in like spring of 2023 or yeah. something, right? Like you get essentially between both consoles, uh, between Xbox and um, PlayStation, you're looking at, you know, maybe. 50 million install base roughly between the two companies at that point in time well, you wouldn't announce that it's a year out at the super bowl because you would just announce it's next month at the next super bowl yeah but why would you make you would want the hype dude yeah but the super bowl ads don't do that e3 trailers do that for gaming like it wouldn't make sense to be like hey everybody in the super bowl Wait a year and a month for this. You realize how many people that own copies of Madden also just only own copies of GTA games? Yeah, I know, but it would make more sense for the Super Bowl for all that money you're going to spend to be like, hey, this comes out in two weeks. Uh, That sounds way better than, hey, sit on your hands for 14 months while we finish this up and hopefully don't delay it. Well, it could be 12 months. Well, and what if it got delayed? Then all those ad dollars would be, like, less effective. Yeah, but you still hype people up. And you get them looking at other GTA games. So. You're starting to make me want to retract that compliment. Nope, nope. All right, moving on to the next article. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So this one is uh, Ethan Gack at Kotaku. So Epic Games are facing uh, staff uproar over ending popular time off policy. So uh, Epic had a policy where it was, like, every other Friday uh, they would let their employees take off. The great policy, great policy, except for the fact that it would be made up by overtime hours uh, in the other weeks. So the way it kind of worked, it, it was null and void, right? At the end of the day. So, hey, you didn't work Friday, hey, but no, next a day week, off is a day off. I get it. But like, hey, you didn't work uh, your normal hours this week. But guess what? Next week you get overtime pay. It's like, well, why wouldn't you just kind of keep us on five days if you're going to make us work double the next week? Um, and so, and I think that's worse to be honest. Like I would rather work a five day work week than have one day off. And then the next week have to work double the amount and catch up because I missed everything I needed to do the prior week. I I get it. So, uh, their new policy that they're replacing with their new policy is is, their new policy is a standard five day work week. Well, it's just, okay. Guess what guys? No meetings 
on Fridays? Like, isn't a meeting like what everybody gets to like take a break from work for an hour? Dude, our company does no meeting Fridays as well. And <laughs> it's still meeting on Fridays. Like, I think I had like four meetings the other Friday. Uh, it's just some companies that you want to promote it and you want your staff to have that time off, but it just doesn't always work that way. The biggest difference here is like, this is in spite of like the turnaround we just heard from uh, Eidos Montreal and Young Horses who are both adopting a four-day work week schedule instead. And I, Eidos paid like a bunch of money for a study, I think. And they're the ones who were like, you know, we've concluded from the data that we've extracted that this is a better thing for our employees and for our products and like do it. Well, and the best do it so good that my bosses hear about it and are like, Hey, that's a good idea. So here's the best part about all that. They cut the work time to 32 hours a week and they kept their pay the same. So they didn't reduce pay over there. Um, but yeah, so I get it. But at the same time, when you look at uh, Epic's policy and what they were doing, they were the reason behind this, they said, was because not everybody was able to take off on Fridays. So only certain people were able to take off on Fridays. It wasn't a universal, yeah. applicable. And I think, which realistically, if you're going to have that policy, then you need to let everybody take off. But you have managers that, are, you know, they haven't caught up because for whatever reason. So now they're working on a Friday and they expect other employees to work for them. Uh, so... I get where it wasn't happening across the board. And it was probably more, uh, I would say it was probably higher up management that was probably taken off at times. You know, who, who knows? It's more just guesstimating. But at the end of the day, they were like, well, it's only fair if we have everybody work the same schedule and then some people aren't off, some people are. And on top of that, um, God, what was I wasn't going to say, man, I just lost my train of thought on it. Yep, I, for, I just lost my train of thought literally mid-sentence on that. Yeah, it happens. But either way, I, I get it, but at the same time, it's kind of dumb. Oh, I, I know what it was. 90% of their workforce, they said in this article, was against the switch to five-day work weeks. Yeah. And so you have 90% of your workforce saying, no, we want to keep this the same, despite the fact that you know maybe that 10% were the individuals that were not mm -hmm. able to take off. So that, that really in itself is not fair. So you're going to judge your company's entire day off policy every other week because 10% of your employees are against it. I mean, it's not surprising that they want, you know, the cogs spinning. Like, it, it, it's no surprise. Like, this is how publishers treat their employees. Like, it's all over the place all the time. We know they don't really care and they're just in it for the money. I mean, that that's understandable and it's definitely how they've built but i mean there's just been so many things that this is just like okay thank god there's other companies going in the right direction because this is definitely them being like eh, we don't care Go yeah back to what well we said. and they made what is like over five billion dollars last year yeah. so i mean they really don't care at the end of the day it's like yeah okay we're gonna have you know these let's say 10 percent of our workforce is gonna say yeah we're gonna leave over a period of time okay bring in more workforce or they're just going to bump up people's pay potentially i wouldn't put it past them to not but potentially bump up other people's pay to work more mm -hmm. you know on a normal five-day work week well i guess no it'd be 90 percent of the population was for it so yeah you would lose 90 percent of your population never mind ryan let's take back that statement altogether <laughs> whole statement um but yeah i mean say most of those people that 90 percent, are just going to fall in line with it yeah you know, they're not going to go on strike or anything like that because Epic doesn't care. It'll just start bringing well, in And they're new not people. unionized. Yeah, that doesn't help either. So, okay. 
Uh, well, let's dig into our next thing here, which is, dude, I thought this was actually pretty funny. The Switch OLED model uh, rates a 2 out of 10 on screen durability scratch tests. And this is through uh, Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. At least he wrote the article. I don't know if he did the video. I'd have to look back. But this is absolutely hilarious the way this worked out. So you got to watch a video that's tied to this article that we'll link in the uh, podcast description. But... They pretty much set up a piece of tape and have like one through eight or one through 10, and they use different types of things to scratch the screen. Uh, but then they go into it even deeper and they like do a lighter test where they put a lighter up to the screen itself. Uh, he puts on like 40 layers of screen protectors uh, to show like how to screen over time just gets foggier and foggier. Uh, God, what else did he do? Uh, he took a utility knife and started scraping over the buttons to showcase how uh, the buttons, like the X and the A and all that type of stuff, are actually a part of the plastic itself. It's not just a print-on. It's not just a layer over it to where it fades out. Like It's literally part it's of like the plastic all the way through. Yeah, exactly. It's like a cake. And uh, he starts taking apart joysticks and everything else. Like It's actually a really cool video to watch uh like the abuse yeah there's a shit ton of abuse on this one man pretty much tries to break the switch in half yeah you definitely have to check this one out uh but i would have to say that uh this does not surprise me like did we expect a different outcome from taking utility knife and scratching it up on a screen or a coin or anything like that and knowing that nintendo's like protective film on there is not one of those like glass films that you can put on your cell phone it's just like a thin plastic protective film that they put on there to help essentially if your nintendo switch falls and the screen like the glass breaks this film is supposed to help so that it doesn't shatter and go all over the place regardless you should be protecting your investment with a glass cover and that's what i've done for uh, my switch that was the first thing i did dude when i bought it i didn't take it out of the box i actually in advance purchased um one of the glass you know screen protectors go on there so that way if it did fall i'd be protected and uh maybe i did maybe i did literally the day after i got my switch it came in the mail and i popped it on there haven't looked back since so i don't know what are your thoughts on this whole thing dude this whole take apart um or dissection of the switch i just think that like it's very informative and i mean this guy definitely did like a lot of work to show off like what you know it's made of uh but i know that i'm just reading into it this way because it's not on purpose or it doesn't really come off that way but it just seems like yeah man like if you attack something with a knife you're gonna scratch the screen like saying that it's a two out of ten because it has this like film on the top of it i mean people know you can scratch a screen I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily super easy in comparison to, like, other things. Like, I've got a folding phone now with that, like, on the inside. So, I'm just always trying to be careful of that stuff anyways. Like, I've got a few little abrasions on my Switch. And actually, it's mostly around, like, the bezeled edge part. Not really on my screen so much. But I can hardly ever tell. I mean, I don't really go too hard on like portable consoles for being like you're never going to have like a vita that's just like perfect no i mean you're not because it's a portable console you expect that wear and tear to result depends i mean you know with my psp for example that psp is in fantastic condition because you probably never taken it out of your house have you well, ever thrown no. it in a backpack and no, taken it yeah. on vacation? I would, but I had a case that I put it into. And the same thing with my Switch. 
whenever I leave town or whatever and I want to bring my Switch with me, I put it inside of a case. Well, yeah, I mean, but still, I mean, normal wear and tear happens with, like, transitioning from, like, a case. Yeah, and, it does. Yeah. I get it. Uh, they did mention, though, that OLED has a, uh, a metal uh, bevel now mm. around the edge, uh, which the original Switch only had plastic. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. So it seems like it is built a little bit better, which kind of makes me feel better about the price point, and that's a little higher. Yeah, I I really would like to play with one to see how much nicer it seems because it's just like if they come out with like a cool designer one like i really wanted that uh let's go eevee pikachu switch for a little bit that was pretty cool and then i did like the animal crossing one and it turns out like you could i think you could still go find that in a target if you're like without looking too hard i just saw one at walmart yesterday yeah so those are still out there like uh, it would be so cool to upgrade to something like that. Like, yeah. uh, maybe the, it wouldn't surprise me if they did a Breath of the Wild 2 one. I never did see one of the Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee one in, in store, though. No, I didn't either. And I haven't seen them ever since. Like, that's one that I think legitimately is going to be up there in price down the road. Yeah. I mean, anything Pokemon. Well, yeah, but I mean, Animal Crossing has been everywhere. Like, you could find one of those switches. Anywhere you want. Like, they still have them in store, like we had said. But the Pokemon one, I never saw them when they were supposed to be in store. And you never see them nowadays either. Like, that's one, if I saw it in store today, I would probably buy that right off the bat. I think I saw one at a GameStop once, and I just didn't have any money at the time. Yeah. Probably would have been a good pickup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe it was a dream. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. But either way, uh, you know, long story short on this is don't put a utility knife or a lighter to your Switch. Probably not going to have a good outcome. Uh, don't scratch your Or if you coins. do, make sure your camera's on. Yeah, make sure your camera's on so we can watch. Okay. So our inflation deflation segment this week is uh, Zombie U on the... <laughs> I like how it is not there because I didn't include it. Uh, Zombie U on the Wii U. It is developed by Ubisoft uh, Montpellier, I think, or Montpellier. And it is uh, published by Ubisoft. It is designed by Monir Radi, is what it looks like on here. And it was released in November of 2012. It is a survival horror, and the ratings are anywhere from 4.4 to 9 out of 10. I'm assuming that 4.4 is out of 5? Uh, no, out of 10, actually. Okay, okay. so this runs the gamut. <laughs> yeah, this is all over the place. Uh, yeah, I probably should have a 4.4 out of 10 slash, yeah, that one. This game was interesting, and I liked how... Um, I don't know, like, we didn't, we never played these games for super long, but like all of the like CCTV, the loading screens, like showing like the underground for like the tube and, you know, the Englishness of it came through. Wait, it's set in the UK. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it came through as like a different kind of setting. Like, I've not played a zombie game in like, modern day London before like I've seen it with the cricket bat in Shaun of the Dead and stuff but like being able to do that myself was actually like okay I recognize this is a good setting for this and it'll probably have some of that same stuff so I enjoyed that um it's weird getting used to the controls on a Wii U as somebody who's never been a Wii U player having that like dual screen but like it's not like a DS where it's all just right there and there's kind of a lot more going on. 
Um, it controlled fine once we turned the sensitivity up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. I think it was good. I think that I remember a lot of people giving this game some good praise, but just the overall general failure of the Wii U kind of tanked, and then. I know this was released as zombie on other platforms, but I would probably wager by that time there were superior zombie games on other platforms. Like this probably was great for Wii U and only so-so for other platforms. So uh, the interesting of this game is Nintendo had, you know, contacted Ubisoft and was like, hey, we want to do a mature rated game. Uh, one that's better than Devil's Third, apparently. And... Uh, Ubisoft initially was like, oh, well, we'll do like a spinoff of uh, Raving Rabbits was their idea here. So the game was initially uh, kind of being developed out as killer freaks from outer space with small agile monsters being like the key enemies. And ultimately it got retold to be like Zombie U. And the other interesting part on that is that Zombie U was originally the like kind of you know, name that they were going with, the like project title. name. Yeah, that working title. And we're like, oh, well, we'll keep it as Zombie U because it's a zombie game and it's on the Wii U. So that's what we're going to do. Should have called it Project Zombie U. Project Zombie U. That would have been pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, so the idea was, you know, hey, let's take this Raving Rabbids and do a spinoff game. And ultimately they were like, well, probably not the best thing for our franchise of like a kitty type of game to make it, you know, mature. Uh, so they decided to not go that route. Uh, but, you know, I, I really liked the, uh, the permadeath component of it. Like, I'll say the controls were not the best, but I thought the music was good, the art was good in this, like the, the style, the graphics were actually very good in this game as well. It's tense because um, you never can really pause. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty tense. Like, even when you're trying to jump into uh, shortcuts and such, like go through sewer systems, uh, you're still being attacked. and you have I to, like, died move. right at the end. Oh, yeah, right before you could get in there. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but the permadeath uh, way or thing, the way it works is... You know, you start out if you're a survivor and you are contacted or put into connection with um, a prepper, or he's called the prepper. He's he's, he's kind of like Atlas from Bioshock. Like he's directing you around on the radio and knows where to send you. And then if you die, you just assume that he walkie-talkied somebody else walking by that place one day. And yep. now you're that person instead. And you just follow the same thing. Yeah, essentially, and you kind of start from your last save point for the most part. And it's interesting because, like, if you want to pick up your supplies, it's kind of like Dark Souls or one of those Souls type games uh, where you want all your supplies back, you got to go kill the guy that just permadeathed, like earlier. And so, and you see the character name come up. So, ours is like Leon Anderson, probably the same name for everybody that starts that game. Uh, but Leon Anderson, after he dies, you could see his name appear, like, off in the distance, and you know, oh crap, like, if I want all the stuff I just picked up, I got to go over to that guy and kill him. And they have like, you can move stuff between your backpack and like storage spaces to like leave things around. Yeah. Which you is, only have so much inventory. Yeah. Which is actually a pretty cool aspect too, because you can in a sense, get away from the permadeath kind of by keeping them in storage units near that spot. So you can go back and get that item. It's taken a lot of things that like are, familiar with like resident evil format and stuff but it definitely felt like its own game yeah i like i said man i really enjoyed this um i thought it was very unique 
And I, I would be interested in trying out the non-Wii U versions. Uh, I think it's only PAL on PS4, and then it's on Windows, and I think it's at Xbox as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't, I didn't see anything like, at least on price charting, I didn't see anything for Zombie, and yeah. it might have been like a digital release only in the U.S. at least. My biggest criticism, I think, is that this game does one of those things that really annoys me, and you got hung up on it, where there's things in the terrain where like there's no jump but you can interact by like sliding under or hopping over and then there's loads of terrain that looks exactly the same that is not interactable and in a zombie game where you know if there's four or five guys coming after you and you go into a corner where you were like oh can i hop this barrier yeah yeah that was super frustrating the first time that i had uh that the character perma died uh, basically I shot at a zombie horde and was like, well, let's see what happens. And they started chasing me. I'm like, Oh cool. I got to get to like the next spot. And it's like, Oh, all right, let me jump over this like regular barrier. But I was able to jump over here, but now I can't in yeah. this spot. And then I was just going in circles trying to get around these barriers. And of course my character ended up dying. Uh, so I get you, man. Like that is one thing, like a huge pet peeve with games when there are certain elements that you can jump over and then not all the time does it allow you to. And then I don't know if it's just me because I've been playing Metroid and Metroid has a very vertical map, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to this map was like a top down yeah. view. So like I was having a hard time kind of like trying to look at the map and then move and then play on the screen because like in metroid it's so easy because it's just a side scroller you can just look at the mini map and not even look at what your character's doing at all and just go wherever you want to go yeah i i agree with you on that man that's kind of and your eye always wants to go down to that mini map that's yeah. on, this, on the screen and be like oh where am i going next like what and is you kind of just lose paying attention yeah and i'm that's part of it too i mean you're so distracted and you know when you kind of look at this it is a very well-rounded type of zombie game experience because you in that situation you would be distracted you would be trying to look at your map or you would be like trying to find something in your backpack and uh when you're trying to go through a um you know a sewer system or something for a shortcut like you are going to be pausing for a moment to try and figure things out and jump in there uh so i get it you know where like that situation where you died like you wouldn't just jump down a sewer system you would be kind of squatting down to try and make your way down the this ladder uh, because there's a long shoot so yeah I, I think it does a very good job overall of capturing the experience and i did like uh the cuts not cut scenes but actually yeah that cut scene in the beginning was actually very good like the way they kind of introduce you to the zombies and the whole like process of escaping i thought that was really interesting yeah um this load, game... load times are bad though yeah, load times were definitely bad, and it did like this weird thing where you'd like click a door and then it starts loading, but it doesn't take you out of the action. You just have to wait till the door opens like ten seconds later. Yeah, which is really weird. But you but, know, I, I kind of like that. Like, hey, we're gonna let this load and get to that next area, but she can walk around in this general area and still do <laughs> and stuff. Just wait to hear the click. Yeah, so that's that's kind of cool, I guess. So the easiest part about the inflation deflation this week is going to be talking about the price. Yeah. So brass tacks on this complete in box. You're looking at breaking the piggy bank open and spending four eighty four. Uh, that did peak at thirty four ninety eight back in April, 2013 when it was still relatively new. Uh, and that's been holding steady ever since basically, or at least it's holding steady now at the fours. 
Uh, loose 457 that peaked at 4520 back in November 2012, uh, but that's like right when the release happened. So I mean that was just kind of the turnaround, and that's been kind of steady too. So I mean, no matter what, you're gonna be able to get your hands on this for nothing and get your value out of it. Like this is one of those ones where it's an obvious, uh, you know deflated like this game has more than five dollars worth of value but it's just abundantly available for a system that is not abundantly available so i would say you know if if you want to play this game buy the wii u first yeah yeah that's because <laughs> you be can harder. always buy this game later it's not going to go up but those wii u's there's less of those than a lot of other consoles out there yeah you know the cool thing is that this game was originally kind of slated to potentially get a sequel uh, but because of how poor it performed financially, it ended up getting canceled uh, to get a sequel. Uh, if you do want to spend the most money, uh, you could buy a PAL PS4 version for uh, $14.34 completed box. I kind of want to buy it just to try it on the PS4. Yeah. See how it plays. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, the cheapest version is the uh, Wii U version. Uh, but I would say our rating on this is definitely uh, deflated. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is totally... Easily worth like 10 bucks for this game. So we do have to figure out next week because uh, that is our last spooky month game next week. We'll have to find something uh, that's really good. Yeah, we'll yeah, figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. I'm assuming you don't have anything else. This has been episode 154 to Game Flares podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>